0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Five Bytes podcast. I'm your host Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Policy Pack Software, now part of Netrix, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage lockdown applications, Java browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And also brought to you by Numescent, the inventors of the first and only cloud native container management platform for Windows desktops. And of course, also brought to you by ControlUp, end to end digital experience management for the work from anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. Well, I warned you. (laughs) Didn't I warn you? Well, really, I warn every single month that I usually cover the roundup of Patch Tuesday news. And then the very following week, I tend to start covering stories about fallout by issues caused by the Patch Tuesday patches. And this month is certainly no exception. Microsoft have warned that they are investigating a known issue causing enterprise domain controllers to experience Kerberos sign-in failures and other authentication problems after installing cumulative updates that were released during this month. BleepingComputer.com reports the issue can affect any Kerberos authentication scenario within affected enterprise environments. Microsoft's Microsoft Learn page about the issue states, after installing updates released on November 8th, or later on Windows servers with the domain controller role, you may have issues with Kerberos authentication. When the issue is encountered, you might receive a Microsoft Windows Kerberos key distribution center event ID 14 error. And there'll also be errors logged in system event logs on impacted systems being tagged with quote, the missing key has an ID of one end quote in the key phrase section. The list of Kerberos authentication scenarios Infected includes, but is not limited to, uh, domain user sign-in might fail, and this may also affect Active Directory Federation services authentication. Group managed service accounts used for services such as IIS might fail to authenticate. Remote desktop connections using domain users might fail to connect. Printing that requires domain user authentication might fail. And you might be unable to access shared folders on workstations and file shares or servers. This affects both clients and servers from Windows 7 and Server 2008 and later. And it also kind of reads like this leaves customers stuck between a rock and a hard place, as Microsoft and others in the InfoSec community had been emphasizing the need to patch domain controllers quickly uh, for Patch Tuesday with KB5021131 and 5020805, both mitigating vulnerabilities in domain controllers, uh, but clearly mitigating in ways that have been breaking things for customers. So there was this kind of rush, hey, you really need to patch your domain controllers this month, but whoops, (laughs) the patches might cause serious problems. Uh, The awesome Steve Seafoods, for example, who's someone at Microsoft who had been encouraging customers to patch their DCs, has since pointed out that they are aware of the issues and are working hard to get another update to remedy the problems. And while he understands the frustrations that people are experiencing, he reminds people to also not personally attack uh, those working at Microsoft, which you think that should go without saying, and that people would act like professionals and adults and would not attack other people over something that's, you know, very difficult to control. But here we are. This is the world we live in. So, certainly proceed with caution with these patches this month, especially on the domain controller side. And hopefully, keep an eye out, and Microsoft will release an updated patch soon, we hope. Alex Radu Marin on Twitter also warned if you are running multi user scenarios in terminal servers, be aware that October patch KB5020276 may break the domain join. Uh, There's a valid workaround, but it introduces a vulnerability CVE-2022-38042, which is an Active Directory Domain Services Elevation or Privilege Vulnerability. So, you know, take approvals from security before applying this workaround in your infrastructure because you are opening a hole by doing so. And I'll share a link to that with more information if you'd like to see what the workaround is. Uh, With this episode, which you'll find at 5bytespodcast.com under reference links for episode 256. BleepyComputer.com has reported this week that Microsoft have resolved a known issue causing connectivity problems for Windows customers using the direct access feature to access their organizations remotely without using a VPN. When experiencing the issue, direct access might not reconnect automatically after the impacted device experiences connectivity issues. Scenarios that could lead to this known issue include switching between access points or Wi-Fi networks and temporarily just dropping network connectivity. The list of affected platforms includes both client and server Windows releases, ranging from Windows 10, LTSC 2019 and later, and also Windows Server 2019 and 2022. BleepingComputer.com goes on to report that Microsoft has addressed this issue with a known issue rollback, RKIR, uh, which is a Windows capability that allows reverting buggy Windows non-security fixes rolled out using Windows updates. At the time of this recording, that fix should already be applied to any home Windows operating systems on devices in your home, but will require it to be enabled by administrators in enterprise environments. An Ars Technica article this week reports that more than two dozen Lenovo notebook models are vulnerable to malicious hacks that disable the UEFI secure boot process and then run unsigned UEFI apps or load bootloaders that permanently backdoor a device. The research was completed by security company ESET and they say that the vulnerabilities tracked as CVE-2022-3430, 3431 and 3432 allowed disabling the UEFI the UEFI secure boot or restoring factory default secure boot databases all simply from an operating system and secure boot uses databases to allow and deny mechanisms with the dbx database in particular storing cryptographic hashes of denied keys now disabling or restoring default values in the databases makes it possible for an attacker to remove restrictions that would normally be in place just as eset published their report on the vulnerabilities lenovo published 25 patches as well And there is a vulnerability that only affects the IdeaPad Y700-14ISK model, which is an end-of-life notebook model, and that will not be getting patched. So if you're still lagging behind on that, sorry, it looks like you're kind of screwed on this one. In some actual positive security news this week, a reminder that the Microsoft Authenticator app will start enforcing number matching on all tenants from February 27th next year. And you can find some handy change communication templates at aka.ms mfatemplates MFA templates if you'd like to communicate this upcoming change. And if you're listening to the audio-only version of the podcast, the video version on YouTube, uh, you'll actually be able to see an example of one of these templates for communicating the change. And in more positive news this week, LeapyComputer.com shared information about a potential improvement to Task Manager in Windows 11 that will let you filter processes in the Task Manager by their name, process ID, or publisher, making it easier and it seems quicker to find any running programs. The usual Ctrl+F keyboard shortcut for finding something within Windows will now pop up a search where you're able to search by this criteria within Task Manager. This feature is currently inside an insider build, which means it may not necessarily make it to the end product of Windows 11, but it could. So there's hope, and it's a positive development, we hope. MSPowerUser.com has reported this week that Microsoft have released new updates for Office Insiders on Windows and iOS, adding a couple of new features for the Word and Office mobile apps. One new feature is in Word, which allows creating and assigning tasks directly from within Word documents using an at mentioning capability in the comments. Microsoft has also introduced new functionality for Office Insiders on iOS. The feature will deep scan your photos in the Office mobile app, allowing you to unlock and reuse content from a photo. Microsoft described this as, quote, Deep Scan intelligently recognizes text and visual components within any photograph and highlights them for you to take quick actions such as copy, share, save, search, send an email and more." End quote. You will be able to add whatever you copied from the photo to your documents. The new Office Insider Preview Update comes with version 2.67 and version 2.2.10 for iOS and Windows users on the current channel. MS Power user also reported this week that Microsoft is internally testing a dark mode toggle in the Windows 11 quick settings. Putting in quick settings would mean is that you'll be able to switch between dark and light modes with just a couple of clicks. You will no longer need to go to the personalization page in the settings app to change your theme. You can just edit the quick settings toggle, so if you do not want the dark mode toggle there, there are other toggles that might be more important to you. Whatever the case, a lot of Windows 11 users will find this very useful. And this is not something that was formally announced just yet, it was just picked up and reported on by some media outlets. So there is no timeline for when this will become publicly available. In the what's new in Intune for this month, Microsoft have issued a reminder that they will be ending support for Windows Information Protection. Windows Information Protection are WIP policies without enrollment is being deprecated, so you can no longer create new WIP policies without enrollment. Until December of 2022 this year, you will be able to continue to be able to modify existing policies until the deprecation of the without enrollment scenario is complete. So be sure to check out the information and the support page for this if it is a feature that you're currently using, and I'll share a link to that with this episode, which is again, episode 256. Microsoft also announced for Intune, a user-scope configuration feature for Azure Virtual Desktop multi-session virtual machines on Windows 11 is now generally available. In April, Microsoft announced general availability of device-scope configurations for Windows 11 and Windows 10 multi-session which enables you to manage VMs using Intune settings catalogs and the endpoint security blade. And this new update enables you to configure user scope policies using settings catalog, configure user certificates, and to configure PowerShell scripts in the user context. You can manage device and user scope configurations for those multi-session VMs now. You'll be able to easily create new endpoint security policies like you do for physical devices by just choosing... Windows 10, Windows 11, and server platform, and you'll be able to manage multi-session VMs created in the Azure Public and Azure Government Clouds. And to get started, you can follow the instructions on the landing page by Microsoft uh, and review your configurations and get started. And similarly, a quick reminder that the desktop analytics feature within Intune will be retired on November 30th of this year, so just right around the corner. While you can use endpoint analytics, I think this is a good time to shout out show sponsor Control Up, who for my money have the best monitoring analytics and support tooling for physical and virtual desktops, including any of your Azure virtual desktops and Windows 365 Cloud PCs. The awesome Tim Mangan has announced his next two training sessions. That'll be held January 23rd to February 3rd, um, and that's on AppV and MSAX packaging, and that one's going to be held remotely, but also another event that's gonna be held in April in Kolenberg, Netherlands, that's going to be in person. So if you'd like some excellent AppV and MSAX training from probably the best in the business, then for sure sign up either to attend remotely or in person in the Netherlands. And there were some updates this week from show sponsor Numescent, who published details of their November updates to Cloud Pager. The most notable of which includes multi-source support with Cloud Pager adding multi-source features for all supported container formats, including AppV, MSIX, and Cloud Paging, which enables users to specify registry values within the Cloud Pager client settings to identify local sources where their application packages may reside. And if you have your own network drive or network store, Cloud Pager can automatically check this location first to determine whether your respective application containers are there which can drastically improve application launch speeds depending on your scenario there have also been some significant performance improvements to the product as well which they say to meet the scale of the enterprise customers they've been working on improving the load times and in some cases there's a hundred percent improvement for customers with large amounts of work pods and desktops with some even realizing gains of 1,000 decks. Another improvement or enhancement for this month is improved error message handling or error messages, uh, which is always welcome to IT administrators. And just one final reminder this week that I will be presenting at the upcoming CugC Ireland event in Dublin that will be held on November 17th, which is Thursday, starting at 1.30 p.m. in the Teeling Distillery. So there's still time to register if you've just heard this as it's launched. Uh, So register and come along. It should be a great event at a really cool venue. The festive tech calendar schedule is now live and the official charity has also been announced for this year, which is Missing People, an organization that helps search for and support missing people to ease the heartache of their families. If you could spare some money to donate, please do so. And of course, check out the schedule for all of the great content that will be coming up in the month of December. And as I did last year, I'm also going to run a giveaway uh, during the event. So keep an eye out for that. I'll mention it on an upcoming episode of the podcast. Another community event that will be held very soon. On the 9th of December, the next cloud paging user group is going to be held and uh, one of the members of the group. Paul Eden will be presenting on what they've done around uh, automation and cloud paging or cloud pager too. So if you've never joined a cloud paging user group, this could be a really great first event to attend. And also if you have attended or even if you haven't attended a cloud paging user group event in the past, uh, there's a survey that's now live that uh, you can provide feedback to the group, to the leaders on what it is you'd like to see, what topics you'd like to see covered, what day of the week works best, how often the events should be held, how long the duration should be of each event, and so forth. So um, if you're listening to this and you're interested in a Cloud Paging user group and learning about application packaging and delivery and discussing that with a group, uh, be sure to fill in that survey to let us know what you'd like to hear and see. And now a weekly webinar. The USA Windows 365 user group will be holding their November event on November 17th at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. GMT time, uh, which I believe is 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, Central time for those in the U.S. This is only gonna be the second USA Windows 365 user group, and it's gonna have some great speakers. There's gonna be Christian Brinkoff from the Windows 365 team on Microsoft providing uh, the latest news on Windows 365. Don Wirtz is going to be discussing using Graph with Windows 365, and the awesome duo of Niall Brady and Paul Wynn-Stanley will talk about implementing and troubleshooting hybrid join. So for all of that, register and attend the Windows 365 user group for the USA. And now this episode, scripts, Tricks, and Tips. First up this week, a tip from myself, based on some of the uh, tweets and news coming out from Twitter, uh, but that is to be very careful what you put in your work instances of Teams, Slack, or Zoom. Just because maybe chats are encrypted within an environment or within the instance, uh, do not assume you have privacy. Uh, do assume that anyone in your organization with the right privileges would be able to see everything that you type in there. So. Uh, For better communication, maybe use Signal or something like that and have your own side conversations. Obviously, be a good steward for the company. Be professional. Don't put anything that's sensitive uh, that the company would not want outside of its own communication channels. You know, kind of use it selectively only where you need privacy from your boss, I guess. Uh, Meryl Fernando had an update to the excellent cmd.ms that I covered or featured on a previous episode of the podcast. And if you do not remember, uh, this is basically some uh, shortened URLs for a lot of the different 365 and Azure uh, dashboards and services. So instead of typing out something like maybe endpoint.microsoft.com, there could be like a ms.whatever. And to further this, Uh, Mero Fernando has created a Firefox add-on that you can use for even streamlining the whole thing even further. This week I saw Steven Judd shared a tip on Twitter asking how many have closed their laptop and put it in your bag to find out that it hadn't really gone to sleep and now your bag and the laptop was flaming hot when you pull it out. Well, Steven provides a PowerShell commandlet that you can use Uh, It's a simple function to help ensure that your Windows laptops or devices go to sleep. Finally, the awesome Helga Klein shared a tip or rather a tool that he really likes, which is Process Hacker, um, which seems to allow you to do a whole lot of different things with Windows processes, including monitoring the system resources, debugging buggy software, detecting malware, and more so. Um, I'd never actually heard of this tool before it piqued my interest and it might pique your interest too. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening.